Warning. Warning. Vulgar language may be heard on this podcast. Foolish humans. Bleep blorp. Lights go down and you found yourself surrounded Astounded by the veteran crew that you discounted But we're back for our piece of this game And we remain on a mission to increase the recognition of the name That you saw on the marquee when you walked in the building to the show Thought you brought your potholes, but we feel them It's just one of our tricks, we're in the mix like trail The mic in my hand becomes a Molotov cocktail Igniting your vicinity from now till infinity Burning it down, we build it back from the ground up Jay Vigilantes are back on a round up We're trying to reach the yeah, boy! Wasn't that a sweet-ass intro song that we just had? Welcome to the fourth edition of Magic in the Middle of Nowhere. I am Travis D. Jones, and with me, as always, are my two uh, cohorts. First being Chris. What's up, Chris? What it is. And then last, but certainly not least, because Chris is... No, just kidding. Robert, what's up, Robert? <laughs> hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, what do you guys think of that intro song we got? It's pretty awesome. It's, it is pretty awesome. And I know, I know there were some people that were um, that made some comments and they wanted to know what that music was. And I will let them know what that is in our listener email section. So they're going to have to wait. But uh, <laughs> sorry for them. But uh, you gotta listen to the show if you want the goods, guys. So we're not, you know, this isn't, a, we're not giving away freebies here. So let's get right into it with the news, and uh, I just want to start off with the besieged spoilers that have come out since our last show. Yeah, I mean, if you guys got your lists up, we'll just go over those and see uh, what we think of them. I'm gonna go uh, first with a quarter paladin. He costs one white and one. He is a knight. Well, that's the important thing, is he's a knight. Um, he's a 3-1, so basically a 3-1 for 2. That's kind of a super-powered grizzly bear. And uh, he has battle cry, so whenever he attacks, each other creature that is attacking gets plus 1, plus 0. This guy is sick. He is, for, for the mana cost, he has amazing abilities and stats, and uh, I think he is uh, single-handedly going to... Make you know raise and the knight deck from what it is now up to uh, an actual competitor. It still might be a tier two deck in standard, but I think it's going to be pr- pretty strong, a lot stronger than it than it is now. What do you guys think on that card? Any opinions there? It's a pretty good one. Uh, I like it. Yes, indeed. And uh, well, let's go on to the next one here. Um, Chris, do you want to go ahead and take, uh, well, if you're looking at the this page now, it would be uh, Leon and Skyhunter. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, Leon and Skyhunter, two white for a 2-2 flyer. Uh, cat knight. There you go, another knight, a flying knight. This one, I think, is pretty badass, too. I mean, 2-2 two, two for two is already good, but he also flies. Yeah, the flying is crucial. I mean, all the all the other knights at two, 
they're either the uh, the quarter paladin, which is gonna have the battle cry and beef up your guys. You're gonna have white knight, which has first strike, and then you got this guy who's a flyer. I mean, every every one of them has a really great ability uh, in the two drop slot. Not to mention honor of the peer in a in a knight deck. So, um, but of course, this guy is a reprint. He's from the Mirrodin, uh, the original Mirrodin set. He was decent at the time. I don't think he saw much play, but he's definitely could start seeing more um, now that we have the Night Lords and Hero Blayhold and all that good stuff coming down. So, uh, Robert, what do you think of this guy's potential for standard play? He's pretty good. Uh, the evasion is what's is uh, most important on this card. Yeah, definitely. Evasion is huge. Um, all right, and Robert, you want to take Master's Call? Sure. I like this card. It's a uh, two mana and one white. It's an instant, and you put two one-one colorless mirror artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield. I don't know about this card. I guess it's good to have, be able to surprise somebody with instant creatures or whatever. But uh, it's not like you got three two-two knights coming into play, or or three one-one flyers, or anything like that. I think uh, see. you're yeah. missing one point in this card. It what says a- mirror artifact creatures. All right, and what what do you what is significant about that? Metalcraft. Metalcraft. That's true. You surprise Metalcraft. That's where it's good. Yeah. So I I think this is going to be a decent card for limited. I'm just not sure about um its constructed use. Would you agree? Oh yeah, it's probably terrible and constructed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, I really like the card. I think it can do some really fun things. Like if you were just to throw it into this card set, like if it was here now. I mean, just at instant speed, having the two one-one artifacts—they you know, don't even need to be a mirror. But, I mean, I guess they're they are relevant somehow for being mirror. But uh, just the artifacts themselves—you know—it's pretty good. Yeah, definitely. So I look forward to drafting this and getting it in my sealed pool and all that. Just trying it out then. It is some, you know, as an instant, it is a combat trick, little trickeration there. And it, uh, it kills a quarter paladin. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, mirrors can be good, too. Having the mirror creature type in some instances is decent. The battle sphere. If you open that in your sealed pool, there you go. Yeah, or the uh, the galvanizer, whatever. All right, so um, I'll get the next one here, which is Priests of Norn. It costs one white and two mana. It is a cleric creature. Um, it's a 1-4. It has Vigilance and Infect, so it's a white Infect creature, the first we've seen of that. Um, I mean, I like the fact that it has a high toughness for an Infect creature. I like the fact that it has Vigilance, so not only is it attacking in potentially for um, Infect damage, put some poison counters on the guy, but then it can turn around and block and give them a minus, uh, give a creature a minus one, minus one counter. Uh, especially nice if you beef it up with some sort of uh, creature enchantment or, you know, uh, dark steel axe, something like that. It would be really good. Impressions? I think it's going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be a pain in the ass. Because the uh, aggressive deck's not going to like this. I mean, if you're first picking a quarter paladins, you don't want to see them pop down a priest of Norton. True debt. All right. Um, actually, Robert, why don't you text, take the next one? Because I don't want to give two, Chris two reprints in a row. All right. 
Oh, we got uh, Phyrexian Rager here. I do like this card. It's a two mana and one black. It's a creature. It's 2-2. Two, two. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and lose one life. So basically it's a 2-2 a two, two for three, but it replaces itself, basically. And yeah, it's a cantrip. And losing one life isn't too big a deal. It's kind of a watered-down sign in blood, but you get a 2-2 two, two body out of it. Once again, a card I think will be decent and limited, but uh, not sure it will see any uh, constructed play because I've seen it before. It, it, this is also a reprint. I forget which set it now. I'm pretty sure it's Apocalypse. This this card came out in Apocalypse, if I remember correctly, and uh, he had some counterparts. He, there was another bigger creature that you know whenever it came into play, you would lose two life and draw two cards. I think that one cost six, and it was like a 4-4, four, four, which, you know, is pretty much an exact pump-up uh, pump of this guy. You double this guy, you get the other guy. Um, Chris, do you remember ever playing with this card? No, that was probably around the time where I was like, lose one life, no way. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to hold on to those precious life points. You only got 20 of them. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, another limited guy, another body. <laughs> Chris, take the next one if you would. The rat. The rats. All right. Septic rats. One and two black. Two two with infect. It's a rat creature. And whenever they attack, if the defending player is poisoned, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Okay, so I don't really get this. It's a two two. It swings in. It def it block or it deals its two poison counters to the player, and if it does, it becomes a three three until end of turn. So I don't Not get this. Quite. How does See, it go? What it's actually used for? I mean, it does once the combat damage is all resolved and such, uh -huh. then it does get the plus one plus one. But uh, when it attacks, if the defending the defending player already has poison counters, then it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Oh, if he is poisoned, so if the guy has a poison counter on him, then he's a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Actually, like, if you do the damage uh, with him, he's still not actually going to get the plus one plus one, because it's whenever he uh, is declared as an attacker. Right, right, right. Okay, well then I, I that's a new um, a new keyword they've thrown in, is poisoned, with an ED at the end. So basically there's going to be a... a the game's going to check whether or not a player has a poison counter on them at all. Uh, and if it does, then you'll get some additional effects whenever it says the player is poisoned. So that's cool. We, we'll see what other cards come out, you know, come from that. You know, another another infect dude for your, your draft decks, for your infect, infect decks. The next card I will cover is Spread the Sickness. Sounds like a Disturbed song. But uh, it costs one black and four. It's a sorcery. It says destroy target creature, then proliferates. Another example of the power creep you've seen here, I bet if this card were reprinted four or five years ago, it would say destroy target non-black creature, then proliferate, you know. Uh, but now everything is just straight up destroy target creature. So that's pretty uh, pretty cool. It's going to be like uh, a lot of these other cards, good and limited, removal. You know, it's sorcery speed, but... Uh, in an effect deck, it'll be nice to be able to proliferate. Um, you know, counters seem to be pretty prevalent in this set, so it could be decent. Uh, you guys got any opinions there? It's pretty good. 
uh, you know, the destroy dire creatures good. Removal is always good and limited. And uh, the proliferate can probably be useful. It is black, so if you're drafting the green black infect archetype, then it seems like that'll be a card you want. And it's a common, so. Yep. Little slow, but, you know, put one or two in a deck later in the game. I'm sure it'll help you out quite a bit. All right. Um, let's keep the same order we have been using, Robert. You want to take the next one? Sure. We have here uh, Malera's Keepers. It's a four and one green. It's a human warrior, and it is a four four. And then it cannot have counters placed on it. All right. And what does that mean? You can block infect all day. Oh yes. Screws infect all day long. Um, which is, I think, going to be quite good and limited. It's going to be a hell of a sideboard card. And, you know, it actually, it doesn't even have to be a sideboard card because it's a 4-4 body. Uh, it does cost 5, but it's still kind of kind of a fatty, and that's always a welcome addition in, you know, any limited deck. But I don't see it having much application as far as the counters are concerned beyond being able to, you know, deal with infectors. Who knows? Maybe in some distant future, far, far away, that will never actually happen. The Infect deck becomes extremely popular. It's a counter to it. I don't know. Probably yeah. Not. Maybe they bring back that red uh, spell from Shadowmoor that uh, deals da- deals three damage in Infect counters. Yeah. Or Wither counters, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Malira's Keepers. Um, All right, Chris, you want to take Flare Husk? Yeah, sure. All right, it's an artifact equipment, one colorless mana, and it's a living weapon, which I've never heard of before. And when it enters the battlefield, you put a 0-0 black germ creature token onto the battlefield, then attach the equipment to that. And it gives the equipped creature plus one, plus one. So, sounds and an like equip a, cost of two. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a one one for one. Yeah. One, a little germ token. Right. And then whenever your creature dies off, you uh, still have a plus one plus one equipment laying there. Which I, you know, this is a new type of card, and I think it's really showing a a, a cool evolution of the equipment. You know, mirrored and block. The original mirrored and block brought us equipment. And now we see the next evolution in equipment in the new Mirrodin block, which I think is great what they're doing. Um, I'd love to see some more living weapon cards and, um, you know, probably some more expensive ones, some more, some stronger effects. That would be really cool. But, uh, as it is right now, I see this card as being, uh, you know, a welcome addition to like, um, a, a rebirth red deck, Cold Oath rebirth deck, just because it's a cheap artifact guy that comes into play. Um, you can sacrifice it to Cold Oath or Rebirth if you want, but, uh, you know, it's just another guy to have on the ground for your Goblin Bushwhackers and such. And, uh, you know, if he dies, you can always equip him onto your whatever, your, uh, Goblin Guide, make him a 3-3. So, uh, seems like a pretty cool card overall. What do you think, Robert? Well, for one, the token is not an artifact, so there you go. And, but uh, the equipment is. Yes. Yeah, I'm saying, I mean, just like men, <laughs> sort of like men that you gotta sacrifice your 1 1 creature to get your 3 1 1s. That's kind of what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I like the uh, concept behind the card. Um, looks like a cool card. But uh, I'm wondering if they're going to put like Living Weapon on one of the uh, swords that they're going to print. Yeah, I was kind of considering that too. The new, um, I guess that we need, there's going to be a red-white sword. Um, that's what I'm guessing. But I just don't think... I think li- it's green-black. You think it's going to be the green-black yeah. one? Sword yeah. of life and death or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be on a little germ token or something of the sort. Yeah, I guess that would make sense, but... uh sweet. I don't, I don't know. Just because none of the other swords have that ability, I don't know that they'll they'll put it on there. But if it fits the flavor, maybe I hope they do. <laughs> it would be I cool. I want to see something like you know, three mana living weapon, put a three three green black germ token on the battlefield, and does something crazy. That, yeah, that's something I want to see. Well, we shall uh, see what they have in store for us, because, you know, we're only 19 cards deep out of 155, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing some good stuff coming up. I already saw uh, Patrick Chapin uh, post on his Twitter feed that he got his preview card that he gets to, you know, disseminate to everyone. And uh, he said, when he saw it, he audibly said aloud, wow. Like, he was (laughs) very impressed by it. He said it's by far the best the best preview card, spoiler card, that he's been given yet. So I'm looking forward to next week when he gets to let everyone know what that is. Hopefully it's a uh, Planeswalker or something. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for the Planeswalkers. I'm going to see what they do. For sure. Um, all right, well, I'll take the next card here. Plague Mirror costs two. It's a mirror. It has, in fact, it's a 1-1, one, one, and you can tap it to add one mana to your mana pool. So basically, it's just like uh, another mana mirror, except it taps for colorless mana, and it's another infect guy. Um, you know, not a whole lot to say about it. It, I guess, it, it has dual uses. It's it uh, goes in your infect deck, and it can ramp a little bit. Um, so overall, solid card. Another good one for limited, but probably not for constructed. You want to take uh, the next card there, Robert? Sure. Here we got a Razorfield Rhino. It's a six mana, so it's a little steep. And uh, it's an artifact creature, Rhino. It's a 4 4. has metal graphic, it's plus 2 plus 2, as long as you control three or more artifacts. So uh, if you have three artifacts, it's a six mana 6 6. If not, it's a six mana 4 4. Not too exciting, but who knows? Well, you want to know my opinion on it? Fail! <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Seems good. Uh, it's. Well, it's a fatty. What do you what do you think, Chris? It's lame. <laughs> Pretty lame, give, yeah. Give me the lame card. He's, oh, uh, let's see how it is. Would you rather have this guy or a gray ogre? I don't know. I uh, I mean gray, gray ogre, ogre all com- day. Gray ogre comes in a little earlier. Uh <laughs> I mean this guy can be a six six. But uh, in so, a lot of in a lot of cases he's gonna be a six costed four four. You know who else can be a six six or six? Warm cooling engine. Uh, well, yeah, he is a six six for six. It's not a can be. It's an is. So clearly, we're not really trying to compare this guy to <laughs> warm coil engine. But uh, yeah, that's you know too many six drop artifacts to go around, and this guy is strictly limited fodder. Um, let me see here, Chris. Would you like to cover the next one? Yeah. All right. Signal pest. One colorless mana. Artifact creature. Zero one. Has battle cry 
and it can't be blocked except by creatures with flying or reach. But oddly, doesn't have flying. Yeah. What? Any any thoughts on that? Uh, it's weird. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, clearly the reason. I mean, the, they word it like that, and I've heard other people say, "Well, why don't they just give it flying?" But the key is, it can't block creatures with flying. And I don't know why that was significant to wizards or the the people, you know, whether it could block creatures with flying or not, you know, at R and D. But for some reason, they chose to give it the weird treetop bracers ability. But I can tell you, this is the card thus far that I think I personally am most excited about because it is amazing in a rebirth red deck. And I keep talking about that because I play it and I, you know, I like red. So, uh, but this is already a four of auto include. I mean, I'm just going to try it out, but I mean, being able to get a semi goblin bushwhacker effect every single turn, the fact that he has invasion, um, and he's an artifact that you can sack to your rebirth. It just upgrades the deck completely. Um, I feel so. We'll see how it actually works out, but it seems pretty sick. Pretty sick to me. You guys, would you agree with that? <laughs> seems good. Yeah. It's no Razorfield Rhino, but you know. Well, not everyone can be Razorfield Rhino, obviously. Already in contention for Card of the Year uh, for for 2011. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much does it for the uh, spoilers, and I love spoiler season. It seemed like they were really, really slow rolling us on that, but now we're finally starting to get a trickle of them. And, uh, you know, the set's coming out in the next, you know, when, just a few weeks, the pre-release is. So they're, they're going to be uh, falling like a waterfall here before long, but uh, it's nice to get a few to talk about. So we'll move on to the next section of our new section. Uh, I wanted to follow up because uh, I... F- uh, thanked TCGPlayer.com last time and Bandai for hooking me up with a free Resident Evil deck building game and I actually had uh, Robert over to play it there was some other people, even my wife was playing it and uh, just thought I would give some impressions of it uh, first off, it's, it's got the if you're a bit Resident Evil fan it definitely has the flavor of Resident Evil, so it has you know characters and enemies from across all five of the video games um, so it's pretty flippin' sweet overall. Um, the coolest thing about it I noticed playing it is that it's a deck-building game. So basically you have a whole store of cards in front of you, and they give you just a small amount of resources and weapons to start the game off with. And with you know the, the resources you get, um, basically money is what you have, you can buy things out of the store to put in your deck. And the the feeling that it gives you as you're playing the game, is that you're constantly drafting a deck. So basically, it's, it feels like booster draft in that uh, you're just taking one card at a time, trying to tweak your deck to make it, you know, fit it to um, your own personal style and also to the character that, that you get at random. Like, there are ten characters that you can get in the game, and each one has a different ability. So based on what their ability is, you might have a, you know, might try to build a different deck, take a different strategy. And uh, it's it's really fun. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, and I look forward to playing it more. And I would recommend it to anyone who likes playing tradable card games. It's a one-time expense. You know, you, there are no booster packs for it. I mean, they might come out with new sets later on, but all you need is one box of cards in in order to uh, get the game going for um, two to four people. So it's definitely a good time. Uh, Robert, what what did you think of it? 
I had a lot of fun. You know, you start out slow and you work your way up, and it it, it feels like uh, like it flows very smoothly. And, you know, I, I I love the game. Like I, I want to play it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a quality game. Um, and the fun factor is up there. So I thought I owed it to the people at TCG Player to let uh, let everyone in on on how fun it is. So check it out, the Resident Evil deck building game. And uh, if you you know like drawing cards, this is a, a good game to play. They even have, like, brainstorm effects in the game. And yeah, there was one card that we would just keep calling brainstorm because it does the exact same thing yeah. for the most part. But, yeah, it's funny. Um, you, you can basically combo um, combo off. They have actions in the game. Like, normally you only get to play one action, but you play your first action. will give you two more actions, and you draw a card, and then you keep playing all these actions, and it feels like you you're just keep drawing cards to keep playing things, and it gets real crazy. It's a, it's a lot of fun. You just feel like you're play, you know, your combo went off or something like that. It is, uh, yeah, definitely a good time. And, and the thing that I, I another thing about it I, I found was that uh, it was really easy to pick up. The rules are not that complicated. I mean, there's a few questions you got to kind of go back to, um, check the book, the rule book for just some minor things. But uh, I mean, my wife never <laughs> never played a tradable card game. Uh, before and she picked it right up and was enjoying it and she's you know basically has kicked my ass at it i have yet to win it um robert i played four games and my wife beat me um two you know two games robert won one the other one was uh undecided so i have yet to win one but uh yeah it's 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 real easy so if you you know are trying to get somebody into magic maybe and they find might find it a little bit too complicated this would be a good game to try to get them involved with so that they can get a feel for playing a, uh, a card game that has, you know, it's not just poker or whatever, it's use some other kind of cards. You know, another good thing about it is if you're, you have a friend that, you, that plays Magic with you, but he always comes in with, like, a hundred-card deck and just a bunch of weird stuff and, like, a bunch of one-ups. I haven't played this game over like realize that you don't want a bunch of junk in your deck. You want you know to thin it out and you know, don't realize the value of drawing cards. So that might be something there. Yeah, that's true. There are implications in this game as far as some of the theories of magic that are that are pretty relevant. So you do see that a thinner deck is better. Getting the crap out of your deck is a good thing. So uh, and you know what order to play your your spells and stuff in. So uh, I would recommend it to just about anyone out there. Um, so there you have it. That's a Resident Evil deck building game. Now I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, post-survival legacy, because there was a big leg- legacy tournament recently, um, and I was watching some of the coverage on it as a Star City Games event. I believe it was Kansas City. They had uh, an open, so they had you know the standard and the legacy. Legacy was on Sunday, and I was watching some of the coverage, and it, you know it is just as vibrant and diverse as it was before, you know, Fauna Shaman and Vengevine were, were printed. And uh, so I think uh, it was definitely a, a good idea to ban survival because you saw so many different varieties of decks out there. New decks were being played. New decks were top aiding, actually. I saw this uh, green-white build. Um, I think his name was... Uh, 
Louis Laskin. Uh, I can't can't remember if that was it exactly. His name was something like that, but he had a pretty interesting death that had Mother of Runes in it, and uh, you know it was pretty cool. I liked it a lot. Um, and it came down to goblins and merfolk in the end, the old standbys. But uh, I don't know. I'm excited to to be playing some of the decks that I like and feeling like I have a chance to compete now. Did Did you see any of the coverage of that, Robert? No, I didn't get a chance. Busy with work and such, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a lot better than you know everyone playing survival. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it's good to see Legacy back, looking good. Um, although I I would like to complain a little bit about ex- how extended it is looking right now because uh, I look at s- some of the extended tournaments that have been happening lately and you see like the same four or five decks in every top eight. Um, it it's really since they they just turned it into double standard. Y- you've lost a lot of the that diversity that I was talking about before from the extended format. And, uh, I mean, you don't, you know, as long as, I think it, it was better having the larger card pool, as long as you're on top of banning things that create degenerate decks, like the Dark Deaths combo and all that. I thought it was, you know, basically more fun just because there was more diversity, more variety. And now, basically, what we have is Fairies and Jund, just like the two decks that came out of the, you know, out of standard. They aren't changed that much it's it's pretty much really is double standard um you know i even saw you know blue white control just the same stuff that you would saw in standard last year and the year before and this year so um that kind of sad for what has happened to what used to be my favorite um, format overall any opinions on that guys well i'll probably get on to that a little later here (laughs) All right, Chris. I know you, you enjoyed extended extended back in the day. Yeah. Do you have any opinions on you know just them changing the format so much? Really, I don't even know what what the hell extended is anymore. <laughs> yeah, basically, what they did was instead of having a much lo- longer period of time that includes that they included all the sets from now they just have like whatever's legal and standard now and then like the standard format before that include that as well so it's a much smaller card pool yeah i think we're seeing it uh just hurt the health of the format overall so uh, i hope somebody's on the same page with me there because i would still like to see them kind of say oh maybe this isn't working out so well let's go back to the way it was before but you know fat chance we'll see we'll see what happens all right, moving on from there. Um, I guess that's all the news I had for this week. We'll go on to the old deck of the week, which actually I will be presenting this week because I would like to talk about probably my favorite legacy deck in the world, which is Enchantress. And I've been playing it for a long, long time. It basically started whenever I traded way back in the day for four Argothian Enchantresses. I don't know what it was that I, I looked at it and I was like, wow, this seems pretty cool. And I tried to build a deck around it, and the first deck I built basically um, just played a whole bunch of creature enchantments. You had your rank or anything that would uh, make a creature bigger and was a creature enchantment. And like Gaia's Blessing, um, I, like a, a card I mentioned before, um, Treetop Bracers, and the the 
kicker was um, one called Ancestral Mask, which actually went on a creature enchantment that went on a creature, gave it plus two, plus two for each other enchantment in play. So I would always end up, if I won the game, um, you know, keep keep drawing a bunch of cards off of the Enchantress, which obviously argued the Enchantress is whenever you play an enchantment spell, draw a card. And I would have, like, this, you know, gigantic creature, basically like an 80, 90, or something friggin' huge with Trample. I would always go way overkill, and it was a lot of fun just adding up how big your creature was. Um and then attack, and and that was a lot of fun. And that was whenever Chris and I uh, made what we called the bitch slap decks. Any combo that we could come up with, which killed a person in a single turn, like took them from 20 to zero all at once without them even you know expecting it, was basically a bitch slap deck. Um, I think I called that one the uh, uh, what the hell did I call that one? Argothian bitch slap. I think was it. Um, Chris, what what did what bitch slap decks did you have? Uh, the only one I had was the Bouncing Bitch Slap deck. That's true. Uh, that was your Alluring deck that we talked about in the first episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you had the Bouncing Bitch Slap, and then basically I tweaked my Enchantress deck to um, to become what I, I then called the Seismic Bitch Slap, which became more of like a uh, play a bunch of elves and every Enchantress. I added Verdurn Enchantress in, and later on after it was printed, um, Enchantress's Presence. And I would play, you know, a bunch of elves to get my mana generation going, and then play um, something like Whip Silk, which is basically an enchantment that does nothing. It's a creature enchantment, but you can play it for one green, and you can return it to your hand for one green. So it was just a crazy draw engine, and you get a bunch of mana, play a bunch of cheap enchantments, draw basically your entire deck, and then slap down a seismic assault and discard 10 lands out of your hand to deal 20 damage to him. So that was the Seismic Bitch Slap. It was, you know, another deck that was fun to play, just because, uh, probably not so fun for your opponent, but you sit there and you keep playing spells over and over again, keep trying to keep track of how much mana is in your mana pool, and uh, then drawing your entire deck, and just your opponent sitting there, like, they've probably never seen that before, where a person draws, like, they're about to deck themselves. And then uh, it all just comes crashing down on them in one fell swoop. So, uh, and now I've tweaked it to the point where um, I no longer play Seismic Assault. Beastmaster Ascension came out, and I figured out with all the little creatures I was playing, including my zero one and zero two enchantresses, I can just attack with Beastmaster Ascension and give them all plus five plus five and go in for the kill. Um, so I will. Uh, post a deck list because i would really love I, I challenge somebody out there to proxy up this deck i'm not saying you have to spend the money to build it because it could be kind of expensive proxy it up play it a few times for yourself to see how it works and then go to you know play with a friend and see what happens because this deck does some amazing things um, as far as just quickly drawing your entire deck and killing them off with a giant horde of creatures um, the keys to it are you're going to want to be able to play all your creatures for free at instant speed with Aluren. I have two copies of Aluren in there. There's an old card called Concordant Crossroads, which enchantment that costs one green that gives all creatures haste. So that's also important. So you're playing your elves for free, and then you're going to be able to tap them right away for mana. That's crucial. Um, then you're, you know, you have your one Rafelos, Lanawar Emissary in there. He's going to double your forest mana. Um, you have one guy's cradle in there. It's 
going to produce a crap load of mana for you. Um, and you're going to draw a whole bunch of cards and attack with a bunch of zero ones and zero twos to ki- to kill them. So uh, I'm going to post a deck list in the show notes, and I would love for somebody to build this deck and then just let us know how it worked out for you and if you thought it was any fun, because I've uh, tweaked it over the years. I've never seen an Enchantress deck quite like it, and I think it uh, might be better than any of the uh, green and white builds that I've seen uh, other Enchantress players play, just because it's a little bit faster, I think. I mean, you guys, I believe you've seen this deck run. What, did you, what do you guys think of it? What are your impressions? It's nice and fast. That it is. Chris, I think it's annoying. <laughs> Pretty annoying. Why do you gotta yeah. be so negative about everything, man? <laughs> well, it's annoying when you're playing against it. You're sitting there. It's you know third turn, and your last turn before you die. You're sitting over there playing whip silk fifty <laughs> times, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? And then you die. So it's sort of annoying to get beat by it, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I. I just love sitting there, and I'm playing in a store, and uh, I am just keep saying over and over again, like, I'll draw five, I'll draw six, I'll draw this many for that, I'll draw a bunch of cards for that. And just people keep hearing that, and they look over, and they see you drawing your whole deck. And you, this deck actually gathers crowds around you. If there's a group of people in there, they're like, what the hell is going on over here? So it's a ton of fun to play. Um, so try it out. Trust me, it's, it's a fun deck. And uh, so that's my, um, well, I call it, I don't know what to call it now. I guess um, Bitch Slap Ascension, should I call it that? Or Beastmaster's Bitch Slap? I'll call it Bitch Slap Ascension. That sounds pretty funny. Uh, Yeah, so try it out. Um, So we'll go to the new deck of the week now, and I'll turn it over to Robert for that one. Alrighty. Well, here's where I put my input in on the uh, new extended format. Uh, I actually like it. <gasps> How could you, you bastard, you backstabbing asshole? <laughs> well, um, it's a lot easier to manage. Um, you know, I think the format is actually fairly diverse. There are a lot of decks to play. Um, you know, some decks you shouldn't play, but are still good. And that'll bring me to my first point here, Pyromancer's Ascension. I love that deck. I play it all the time. It's one of my favorite decks, but don't play it. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been playing it so much, testing it so much that you know, I'm looking to take it to some PTUs and such, and then I just I can't do it. There's no way. It's not good enough. Been having bad luck with that. It's not even bad luck. Um, you know. You, you play 10 games with a deck and you'll see the problem. It's consistency. But when it does what it needs to do, it's really good. I mean, it's a good you know, deck when it needs to do what it needs to do. But most of the time you're like, you know, pondering or preordaining or you see beyonding and the opponent's just killing you. Yeah, you're just never getting there. Position really. And you're just, you're filtering. You filter constantly until you either die or combo out. So, it's okay. It's it's a nice casual extended deck to play. So, uh, which brings me to the deck of the week, uh, Naya, extended Naya. I think this deck is actually really good. Um, I've been working with it. You know, uh, runs Vengevines, some Fauna Shamans, a little bit of everything. Um, it has answers to pretty much everything. Uh, You're not running great. Wild Nicotle, are you? 
No, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I am running Blood Braid Elf, though. So, it's pretty okay. good. I mean, you get run Blood Braid, uh, Vengevine, Figure Destiny, uh, Bogart Ram Gang, you know, Kasali Pride Mage, Noble Hierarch. Uh, my list is pretty close to the uh, the first uh, PTQ in Magic Online. Are you playing Knight of the Reliquary? Yes, of course. That card is so good. Are you playing um, Ranger of Eos? No. Oh, that might be a, a thought for it. Yeah, uh, I might throw that in the sideboard. I, I do have my place of Rangers, so it might be something, but I don't know if I have enough game-changing one-drops to really... Well, I mean, if you're playing Vengevine, it's it's right off the bat decent there. You could throw in one yeah. Knight just to make sure you get that. And then, I mean, figure Destiny in the main, that's a really solid one drop. So, something yes, to consider. It's great managing, too. But um, yeah, the deck has all the answers to the major you know, problem decks. Especially so, fairies. Uh, yeah, it has a lot of answers to fairies. You get access to your fallouts, your... Your uh, enchantment removal for the bear blossoms. Great sable stag. The stag is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, it it definitely has a lot going for it metagame-wise. I just heard uh, on uh, the A-Team podcast the other day, though, Patrick Chapin was uh, saying, you know, you you could play Naya. You're playing like a... a, But it's so close uh, card-wise to Jund, just because of the Bloodbraid Elves and things, um, wouldn't it be better to just play Jund? It depends. It depends on your playstyle. Um, Jund, I think, plays a little differently. Most Jund decks are playing with Fauna Shaman and uh, Demigod of Revenge, which is uh, which is pretty good. Uh, but uh, I seem to like this a little better. Sure what What is, is white? I think it, I think it curves white. out a little better. Okay. But you, you think white gives you an advantage that black doesn't? I don't necessarily think it gives me a, an advantage. Just the decks are built differently. I mean, I guess you could build uh, a Jun deck differently than how they do it, but I don't know. Uh, I think one of the key cards in the white is uh, Kasali Pride Mage. Because, you know, it's a 2 2 for 2, and it's got Exalted, so. You, you can use it to beat down, but one of the best, you know, things for it is the uh, the turn two Blitter Blossom counter. Right. You know, so I think that's where it shines is the ability to remove, you know, Pyromancer's Ascension or Bitter Blossom. Well, I mean, it, you drop it down on turn two, but you got to wait till turn three to use it, right? No, it does not tap. Uh, if you have the mana. For no, I'm it, saying, but the mana, mana wise, unless you're playing a Birds of Paradise first turn. Yeah, this deck plays. Uh, your noble hierarchs and you know, okay. nice. so okay. you do have the ability to use it on turn two. Gotcha. It also has access to War Priest of Thune if you'd rather. Yeah, but the Pride Mage is, I think, better. Yeah, the Exalted is very nice for sure. Um, and I would even recommend. Uh, I don't know. Never mind. I'm thinking of a Legacy deck. I was thinking White Mother of Runes, but no, this is Extended. We're talking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but how do you think this card compares price-wise to some of the other, um, you know, like a Jun deck for some of our more casual players? Uh, this deck isn't that expensive. The only thing that you're going to really be spending anything on is the Vengevines. Yeah, for sure. 
that, that's probably the only money card in this. And I still deck. think Naya could be a viable archetype. Um, you know, it's probably not going to be as good, but definitely still could be dangerous even without the Fauna Shaman Benjvine uh, combo going on yeah, there. Of course. You can put all kinds of stuff in there. Maybe, you know, Thoctard off with a Wooly Thoctard, or <laughs> go with the Ranger of Eos plan and put in Wild Nakano and change your mana base a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, check that out, guys. If you're looking to build an extended deck, um, Naya could be where it's at for you. And, Robert, what what is fun about the Naya deck to, to you? It's really consistent, and uh, you know it's fun to keep bringing creatures back and just keep this old slot, keep the pressure going. You know, the resiliency and you know, being able to beat down constantly is is pretty good. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for that presentation. So we'll move on to the next section here, which is a, a new section to our show. And in the midst of spoiler season, I kind of gave me an idea here. Um, we're going to do future deck of the week. So prepare to travel into the future. Um, yes, <laughs> with the knight deck, knights.deck, as I'm calling it. And basically, here's another deck list that I'm going to be posting in the show notes. But uh, get your knights while you can, I'm thinking, because... This deck is filled with very solid cards that I think are going to make it a contender. But uh, basically the idea is play a whole bunch of very solid creatures, get them um, indestructible with Knight Exemplar, and make them big with Knight Exemplar and Honor of the Pure. And if you get set back at all, you're going to be able to finish people off with Hero of Bladehold um, in that you're going to start overrunning them with creatures as long as you're able to turn him sideways once or twice. So here's the list. It's a lot of four ofs. Four Student of Warfare, four Leon and Skyhunter, four White Knight, four A Quarter Paladin, four Knight Exemplar, four Mirror and Crusader, four Hero of Bladehold, four Honor of the Pure, four Journey to Nowhere, a little bit of control in there, get some those blockers out of the way. And uh, since I'm running 23 lands in this thing, because um, the manic curve isn't very high, I'm throwing in one Brave the Elements, just so um, you can, you know, give them all protection from a color and get in for the final kill after you've laid a few creatures down on the board. Um, what do you guys think? Does that sound like a decent deck, or does it sound like, I'm crazy and this deck's going to get destroyed? It seems like you can do some pretty good things. Yeah, it's consistent. It's got quality creatures the only problem I see is that it's white <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a really fucking racist remark right there yeah I thought the same thing <laughs> you, you should be ashamed me. of yourself <laughs> you know me how I hate white things <laughs> right right well uh, I don't know I'm going to have to take you to uh, an Ar- a meeting of the Aryans and see if they can talk some sense into you but uh, here's what I was thinking about this deck. Turn one, student of, student of warfare. Turn two, a quarter paladin, swing in for one with your student of warfare. So they're at 19. Turn three, drop your knight exemplar, swing in with student of warfare and a quarter paladin. That's what, five more? Uh, no, no, that's seven more damage. That takes them down to 12. Uh, next turn, you're able to swing with your Knight Exemplar, your Student of Warfare, and your a Quarter Paladin, and I believe that's going to take them down to, like, two. 
And if you're dropping a hero of Bladehold there, then I think you're probably looking pretty good. Or even if you, on your fourth turn you drop an Honor of the Pure. I mean, that's you know that's in a perfect world. That's in a vacuum, but that's just the potential of the damage dealing that this deck can do after just a you know a couple you know two or three turns. So I think the curve is right. You got your one, two, three, four drops right in a row there. You can even use your fourth turn to play two two drops because there's a crap load of those in this deck. And uh, hopefully just your solid creatures can get you over the hump. So I'm advising everyone to get your uh, knights and get them while they're hot. Because I've been checking the stores on uh, in different places and cards like Student of Warfare and Knight Exemplar, you can only find like one of them at any given store. You can't pick up a whole playset right now. So try to trade for them. I know I'm going to be looking for them, so maybe I shouldn't be telling everyone this because the cat is out of the bag. But uh, should be fun. Um, next, our store of the week, which we have yet to get a submission from somebody out there who wants to, you know, hype their store up for us. So we'll go ahead with another one that we know, which is, um, you know, where we go for a lot of pre-releases and releases. The Mystical Keep in Hagerstown, Maryland. And, uh, Robert, I know you've probably been there more than Chris or myself. What, what can you tell us about this place? It's a nice place. Uh, my favorite thing is the pre-releases and where they're held. Uh, tell us about it. Is it, is it like a, a, a nice happy setting with lots of flowers and, and pretty rainbows everywhere? Well, you might see flowers and rainbows by the end of the night. Uh, it's basically when they held their pre-release. Since the store didn't have enough space to usually accommodate most of the people, they go two doors down to the uh, pub. So it's actually the uh, beach pub, and you go into the uh, basement of the pub, and you there's a bunch of tables set up, and you play down there, and you can order drinks and food and stuff like that. And so usually by the end of tonight, you're you're pretty wasted. <laughs> yeah, and I know getting uh, toe up definitely makes me uh, perform really well at, at uh, pre-releases. So I recommend that. And I've played played there before. And not only can you go to this uh, their pre-releases where they have it in this restaurant, but it, like you can get your your drink and and where they hold it is down in the basement, which is like a friggin' dungeon. Seriously, the walls are made out of stone. It's got, like, very, you know, the lighting's kind of weird. It's got spotlighting, but it's very dark around the edges, so you do kind of feel like you're in some sort of medieval dungeon playing magic. Uh, with, and, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool. Um, Chris, have you had a chance to go to this store in Hagerstown? No, but it sounds awesome. No, it is, so we'll, we'll get you to go to a pre-release here soon. So recommend that. Um and, you know, the store owner, from what I've seen of him, is a, a really nice guy. Um, and he's doing a great job of helping the community of Hagerstown and the surrounding areas. I know people come from a lot of cities around that area just to attend their pre-releases specifically because they enjoy what's going on there. Um, the store itself does carry singles. I don't believe they have a website that they sell them on, but in the store they have uh, some singles, so you can go check that out. And I know they they do have a very nice selection of uh, card sleeves, uh, a pretty good variety there. That's why I, last time I was there I picked up a whole bunch of sleeves. That's how I know that. Robert, you have any other um, you know little tidbits about the store? Well, if you do go happen to uh, go to the uh, pub for one of the uh, pre-releases, the Peach Pub Club is delicious. 
All right, check out the club sandwich at the Peach Pub. Yep, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen anyone win one of the pre-releases without being drunk. <laughs> so, so uh, what are you saying? Like kids under twenty-one need not attend, or no? You just play magic way better when you don't care. <laughs> That's true. Don't burn yourself out thinking about things too much. So uh, check it out, the Mystical Keep in Hagerstown, Maryland. And please send us your store. Let us know what they're doing right and how they're supporting your community, um, You know, especially if you're in the middle of nowhere like us. So maybe you can get some new people to come into your store and check it out. All right. Um, so that will lead us to the topic of the week, which is magic etiquette. And I'm basically thinking about, you know, the do's of do's and don'ts when playing magic against other people and, you know, what our biggest magic pet peeves are. I'll start it off just because uh, the thing that drives me crazy sometimes, and I know I'm careful not to do this to other people um, for the most part, is touching other players' cards. You know, whenever somebody else has your card and, you know, they they can do weird things with it. They might, you know, be looking at it and, you know, they'll they'll be joking around and it might just be some stupid comment, but I hate when my cards get bent or anything like that. So preferably, you know, if I see them reaching across the table, I'll be like, I'll grab the card and kind of show them to it. I'll hold it up for them or whatever. I just don't like people touching my cards so much. And, I, you know, I think that's completely reasonable. Um, so you guys out there, don't just go grabbing other people's shit, all right? Ask first, you know. It, that's nice. <laughs> uh, what, what bothers you guys when it comes to uh, people's magic etiquette? People might get angry. I hate it. That's the only thing that bothers me. You know, you're here to play a game. You're here to have fun. If you're losing, you're getting angry. You're getting upset. You know, stop playing. I hate it. It's it's the worst. Like someone that goes on tilt, it just bothers me so much. Yeah, well, I don't know. Sometimes it it, it does bother me because I like a more chill kind of, um, more of a chill, you know, vibe when I'm playing in tournaments. But uh, sometimes your opponent going on tilt like that can be a good thing because then they just go into the tank and just basically self-destruct and don't even play the right way anymore. Yeah, I mean, it can be a good thing for you, but it's usually not. I, I just hate it. I hate people getting upset. Yeah, it's like everyone having fun. I mean, it sucks when you get mana screwed or flooded or whatever, but that's part of the game. You know, that's the reason that you put a lot of time and effort into a mana base so you don't have that happen all the time. And it's just it bothers me when they say, "Oh well, you know, I could have won if this happened or this happened or this happened, and you shouldn't have won." And blah blah blah. And it yeah, just bothers me. I've even heard people saying um, they go to tournaments and people say, you, you know, your deck sucked. I should have crushed your deck. How did this happen? Blah, blah, blah. But, uh, t- yeah, totally uncalled for, and especially at Friday Night Magics and things like that. I mean, I can kind of see getting upset if you're in the top eight of a PTQ or whatever, or maybe you lost a match that you know is going to put you, uh, you know, number nine right outside the top eight. So I can see that kind of making you upset, but... Some people just get so upset at these kind of more casual events, and it's completely uncalled for, completely unnecessary, and wrecks the good time for you know anyone in the vicinity, for sure. Even, 
even if it's not a casual event, I mean, I went to a PTQ once, and I'm going to say 80% was fairies. It was lower when block standard. Um, and the, the guy was playing fairies, and the other guy was playing a game that was metagame to be good versus fairies. I don't remember the exact that he was playing, but it was built just to be fairies and nothing else. And, you know, the day ended up being like 80% of the environment was fairies, and the guy actually did pretty well. But he got to this, it was like maybe second or third round, and he's playing this fairy player. He's like, you know, your deck's junk, your deck's trash. He was just constantly talking down to him the entire game. He's like, you, you're not going to get anywhere with that. It can only be a fairy as well. If almost the entire room is fairies, this seems like a good call for a deck to me. No, definitely. A smart player right there. I actually had to ask him to leave because he was like so, like, outrageous. Huh. Yeah, that's just a sore loser right there, which uh, we've talked about before, and those guys suck. <laughs> um, well, Chris, do you have any uh, other you know, things that bother you when it comes to playing Magic? Well, I have to say, uh, it's along the same lines as a guy that gets mad, throws a fit, is uh, someone that whines or cries, or is real melodramatic. I've played against some, normally they're younger players, they try to, like, I think they're de- trying to derail me and crying, saying they're going to kill themselves or something. <laughs> and I'm like, shut the hell up, man. Wow, you played some <laughs> really temperamental people if they're threatening suicide from a game of magic. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I still beat them, but, you know. Yeah, no mercy. Yeah. You know, I don't know you. You can go ahead and kill yourself, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! As long as you wait till I beat you. Right, right. As long as you get the the win first. Yeah, exactly. definitely. But uh, I mean, what are, what do you guys? What's the proper way to handle players that you think are you know they're driving you crazy? Basically, what what's the best way to handle that situation? I know it's hard to do, but you have to try to overlook it. You have to try to ignore it, or you know, if they're going crazy, try to calm them down, or. You know, if they're the one of the people that are like, well, if I had this perfect hand, you know, and I had this singleton card in my 80-card deck, you know, I'm, I'm, I would have won. <laughs> yeah. Those. For the most part, I humor them. I played a guy played a guy recently who, I was, you know, he's new to the store, and he was like, uh, oh, you want to play? And, and I was like, okay, what do you play? Do you play, you know, Legacy? He's like, oh, all oh, my decks are Legacy decks. I was like, oh, okay, sweet. Because I like to play Legacy too. So I basically went off with the Enchantress decks a couple times. I mean, I don't, he was not playing, you know, he thought his decks were a lot better than they actually were. They weren't really like tournament ready decks. They were just kind of more casual. But he still just kept saying how, how good his decks were and this and that. And, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, bust his bubble you know i knew i could have told the guy he sucked and he needed to get needed to get real but you know if that's what made him happy playing the game i didn't care i would just humor him i was like yeah yeah if if only you would have had you know this card uh i actually humored him (laughs) so it, it was still enjoyable to me even though this guy had you know no clue what was going on and uh I still enjoyed playing my deck because it's fun and, and housing him. <laughs> Chris, you ever you have any tips for the the people at home on how to defuse a situation like that? Well, I, I really don't go for the defusal. I sort of don't say anything and continue to hopefully beat them. 
Yeah, just get more and more mad, <laughs> adding to the flames instead of trying to put them out. Uh, you're fanning the flames. You're all for trying to uh, let a guy uh, nosedive into the ground, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good strategy. They may have a good deck, but if they don't have their wits about them, they're going to get stomped. So. There you go. Chris always taking the hardcore angle on any given uh, situation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sweet. Well, uh, so that's it, um, you know, kind of a short uh, topic of the week for Magic Etiquette, but I would definitely welcome you guys to let us know what your big pet peeves are in Magic, what bothers you, and, uh, you know, how you handle it, um, especially, I just want to hear bitching, I just want to hear people bitching about what they hate about other people playing Magic, and uh, what you won't stand for at your tournaments, so let us know, give us some feedback on that, um, so that'll bring us to our listener email section, and uh, we'll go ahead and address the gentlemen uh, in our comments section on mtgcast.com who were asking us, uh, well, first it was Jack, and he said, uh, what's the intro song you're using? Because it's awesome. And then Angelo chimes in and says, Jack's right. That song is great. What is it? Um, so I will let you guys know that it is... Uh, a song called Horns of Destruction by Two Skinny J's. The number two, skinny is spelled S-K-I-N-N-E-E, and then the letter J, and then an S, I guess. So, Two Skinny J's, Horns of Destruction. It is the one of the bombest-ass rap songs I've ever heard, especially produced by white guys. And uh, it's just hard as hell. It's got a great beat. Um, and that, I thought it was a, a, you know, got, would get everybody who was about to listen to the show feeling real live right before it started. That's why I picked it. And it's quite a good song. They're a really good band. I think they're broken up right now, but, uh, I would recommend some other songs by them. Uh, if you're looking for other hard rap songs, they got Irresistible Force, which is awesome, especially if you're a Star Wars fan, cause it's got that Empire dark side music as the beat. And uh, they're rapping all over it. Sound, it sounds real good. And uh, also another song called Get in the Van, which is a pretty good rap song. But if you're looking for more of like a chill song to kind of relax to, there's one called In My Room. That is really good. So uh, check them out. I guess you could probably get their music on iTunes or whatever, whatever service you use. Um, they're really good. And we're going to keep bumping that song as our intro, at least for this season of the show. Unless we're, you know, find out we can't for some reason. Um, so there you go. And uh, do, do you, either you guys, can you identify the song at the end of our show? Mm-hmm. No idea. <laughs> I don't even think I can place my finger on what exactly it is. At the, at the end of the usually, show? Yeah. Usually I just, I listen to the podcast and I, I mute it when you two are speaking and just listen to myself. Oh, okay. Well then, I mean... Yeah. I don't get it though. How do you know to when to unmute it? Ah, oh, I know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to call bullshit just, on that one. <laughs> I, I just know. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you're a Jedi Master, I guess. Speaking of Star Wars. Exactly. I love to hear my own voice. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm surprised Chris didn't know. Maybe he hasn't actually listened to our, the podcast he's on. But uh, the at the end of our show, we have a David Bowie track. Um, What's that? A space oddity. A space oddity is what it's called. A little snippet from that. Uh, I thought uh, 
it's about basically the part is about a man who's stepping outside of his spaceship in space so he's like out alone in space he's in the middle of nowhere i thought it would go good with magic in the middle of nowhere so uh check that song out too i think it's on the guitar hero 3 uh soundtrack basically so no way rock band 3 a rock band 3 god damn it yeah rock band 3 sorry or you could just buy the game and play along with it it's pretty sweet the drum the drums on it are definitely a lot of fun and then our other comment here which actually talks about the closing song, is from Dark Lord Chuckles. He says, good show, guys. He likes the contest idea. He says, slow roll the hell out of it. His guess for this week is uh, Journey to Nowhere as the card. And he says, he swears Major Tom as the closing song is a clue. So Space Oddity is saying is a, is a clue. So that's why he picked Journey to Nowhere. Um well, I'm afraid you're you're incorrect there, Dark Lord Chuckles. It's not Journey to Nowhere, but that was a hell of a guess. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you like the contest idea. We're still trying to work out the um, prize, but I guarantee you, uh, I, well, it would it would be friggin' amazing if uh, somebody guessed the card uh, that I'm thinking of. But uh, I don't know what could, what could I give away right now if. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, I would give away my um, awesome Enchantress deck if somebody were able to guess it b- before the next, sh- by the time, by the next show. Remember, only one guess per week, people. So, <laughs> um, so that's our, where the, those were the comments left for us. Um, also got some emails. One from a guy named Robert. Um, He says, uh, I was listening to your show and I really enjoyed it. I just recently got into magic thanks to my friends and was curious if you could give me some input on a black-green infect deck that he's been working on. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of cards, so this is what he got. Uh, This is what he he has, and he lists the deck. Just looking over it, it, you can tell he's kind of new to the game because he doesn't have a lot of four ofs. He's got some singles. But here is my advice as far as building an Infect deck. First of all, you want four Plague Stingers. Um, I'm sure they're going to be... This is for right now before Merit and Besieged. I'm not going to talk about those cards because we don't know everything that's coming out. But right now, um, that's the the, the guy that... Ha- he's a, basically a 1-1 Infector for two mana, and he flies. And that's important, is that he has Evasion. Um so, you know, get your, your cheap guys in there, your guys that can evade. Also, you have a couple of Teljalad Fallen in there. Protection from artifacts is decent. It's not going to, it's not much of it, it's not much as far as evasion, but it's something. Um, I also like Blight Mamba because he, uh, he regenerates, he sticks around. And, you know, Putrefax, Hand of the Praetors, you're playing one of each of those. Those are definitely good inclusions into the deck. Um, but then I see in your, your instance, you got um, some, like, four giant growths, Might of the Masses. These are definitely, this is the route you want to go. You want to play your guys cheaply, get in there, unblocked, hopefully before they even have a chance to play a creature, and then pump them up real big with... Uh, you know, as big as you can, and get the get that effect going as quickly as you can. You have giant growth. I would also recommend um, vast, vines of the vast wood, because not only is that gonna for two green mana gonna give your guy plus four plus four at instant speed, it's also gonna make uh, give them shroud, so they won't be able to be targeted by your opponents. Um, which is also huge because you can play it in response to somebody targeting your uh, to 
uh, somebody targeting your creature, and it basically uh, kills the card that the, the, the card that they just played fizzles. So it's card advantage there to trick, and it can create some really good situ- situations for you. So I would pick up some vines of the vastwood. And I see you're playing, like, three Relic Putrescence. I probably wouldn't mess around with that card at all. It's, uh, yeah, definitely not really good enough to be played in a series constructed deck. I know you're probably just playing for fun, but I would take that out and look for something better, namely Plague Stinger, since I don't see any in your main deck. Do either of you guys have any tips, um, maybe something I forgot as far as building an Infect deck right now? Uh, well... He basically has the idea down where you want cheap creatures and pump spells. Just make sure your creatures can get through, which is why Plague Stinger is good with the evasion. Um, but I also like uh, Hand of the Praetors. I think that card's really good for the Infect deck, and you should run a four of those. Uh, that gives the deck a little more power, I guess. I believe there is also Overwhelming Stampede. Uh, it's an overrun effect, and if you play a bunch of infect creatures and then, you know, overrun, then all your creatures have trample and you can get some poison through. I've seen that put to some good use. Yeah, well, yeah, I would also, but make sure you, for over, overwhelming stampede to work, you got to first pump your guys, one of your guys' power up. Um, so play yes. some equipments that make your guys bigger. Some dark steel axes would be really good. Whatever is going to cause your creature to get a little bit better. If you can pick up an overwhelming stampede, that's definitely a solid idea. So uh, hopefully these tips help you out there, Robert. And uh, thanks for the kind words. And um, you know, let us know how your infect deck works. And especially look out for some of the newer cards coming out of Mirrored and Besieged, because it looks like there's going to be plenty of infect in there from some of the previews we've seen already. Um, namely, Phyrexian uh, Crusader looks quite good in the infect slot because he has protection from red and white, and that's you know two big removal colors. So, yeah, thank you for the email. And I am going to now update everyone on uh, last podcast. I called out Sarkin Mad as far as uh, being a guy who Twitter fall was following us on Twitter. And then he dropped us the week after we had answered his question on our podcast. So I called him out, and he he emailed me back and said, Damn, you got me good, man. I was rolling. Meaning he thought it was pretty funny we mentioned. He said, uh, Sorry about that. I was high. And when I get stoned, I start thinking all philosophical about my life and how I spend my time. I decided that I didn't want to spend any time keeping up with everybody on Twitter, so I unfollowed everyone magic-related. But since you called me out, you're back in. I'll probably add Chewy back in there also, Chewy being from another podcast. Well, that's good. Thanks for adding us back, and I hope uh, you wanted me to read that aloud, and you don't mind that I told everyone that you were high, apparently. I'm sure it was just high on life. Chris, you're coughing. I think you're high right now. Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, and his card guess for the contest is Figure of Destiny. He says that card is the tits, and it is indeed the tits, as we already discussed, but uh, no, it's not Figure of Destiny, so good try, but uh, look forward to your future guesses. And I believe um, he also he sent myself, Sarkin Mad this week sent myself and Robert a couple deck lists to look at, and from what he was telling me on Twitter, he likes janky cards, he likes to build janky decks, that's just what he enjoys doing, and apparently he builds a lot of them, and uh, I mean, this guy takes a lot of time with his magic, because he goes to this website, it's called EssentialMagic.com, 
and he has loaded his entire card collection on there from and from what I can tell is over 10,000 cards. So he actually took the time to add over 10,000 cards into his collection or, or into this website, uh, which is pretty insane. Anyway, the first deck he sent me was a liquid metal coating deck um, using Tuck Tuck Scrapper and allies um, in order to you know turn things into artifacts with liquid metal coating and play an ally with your tuk tuk scrapper and play and that will destroy an artifact so he's like destroying any permanent at any given time with that i would suggest ditching the the idea of using allies there's just a lot of other cards out there that can destroy artifacts more efficiently more reliably good come into play effects you know you can just run shatter you can run revoke existence and then you got um the manic uh is it manic vandals comes into play and destroys an artifact 2-2 and uh oxida scrap melter so i mean there's a lot of uh, card choices out there and i don't really care much for the allies but uh you know i i do like the idea for the deck it seems like a fun casual deck so keep trying you got any uh tips uh for that deck guys uh, not really, <laughs> but uh, you know, it seems seems like a fun idea. Yeah, but the trick is you have to get liquid metal coating in play and keep it there. So that's the trick. And he uses ancient stirrings to get it, which is one way to kind of dig deeper to try to find it. But uh, still seems like it could be, you know, hard to make sure you get your liquid metal coating each time. But uh, good luck with that one. And then he sent, uh, maybe you want to talk about the one he sent you, Robert. It was kind of a take on the Mind Slaver deck that we covered before. Uh, yeah, he, he sent me a, uh, a version of a Mind Slaver deck. And uh, it looks to be where he generates mana and uh, then puts Mind Slaver on a prototype portal. But he also added something really interesting to the deck. Uh, it's called a Jinxed Idol. I don't know if anyone knows what it does, but uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, it deals two damage to you, and if you sacrifice a creature, or you can sacrifice a creature to Jinx Idol to give target opponent Jinx Idol, like give them control of it, and uh, he has that and reassembling a skeleton in the deck. So I, I guess what he does is he puts the Jinx Idol on a, a prototype portal. Then makes a bunch of idols and then uses reassembling skeleton to give them all the idols. So they're taking tons of damage a turn on a really fast clock. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you activate the portal for two each turn. I assume you're gonna have since you already had four mana to cast the portal, you're gonna have two mana lying around for your reassembling skeleton. Um, so basically, you're adding two damage. Uh, it's basically a cumulative effect of two extra damage per the, uh, upkeep for your opponent, and that would just get out of hand real fast. So if you got that combo going, I think uh, that's very solid. That was a good idea, and that was something I had not considered before. Yeah, that was a very good idea. Uh, not a big fan of the painful quandary in the deck, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I it think that like card is kind of fun. trash, but if he likes janky cards, that's his yeah. uh, prerogative, yeah. I guess. But uh, definitely props on the uh, Jinx title on Prototype Portal with the reassembling skeleton combo. It's uh, pretty sweet. Yeah. Of course, with my uh, my Slaver deck, I took more of a control aspect rather than uh, kind of the aspect he took where he's generating mana and not really digging deep in the deck and just hoping that the hand kind of assembles itself. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, that seems like a interesting idea for an interesting take on it. And thank thank you, Sarkomad, for you know sending us those decks. So uh, thank you for following us on Twitter as well. 
we I I am up to I'll I'll think everyone will be happy to know I'm now up to like six Twitter followers and a lot of them are from other uh, Magic podcasts. So apparently, people are listening, knowing who I am now and uh, adding me. So, thanks to them. And speaking of that, you can contact me on Twitter at Travis D Jones, um, all one word. You can reach me through my email, which should be in the show notes, I believe, at Manekitora at hotmail.com. Yeah, that's that's some good ways to reach me there. Um, how can we reach you guys, Chris? You can reach me at Bunsenator at gmail.com. That's B-U-N-S-O-N-A-T-O-R. And, Robert, how do we reach you? Uh, you can reach me at zephys at gmail.com. That's Z-E-P-H-Y-S at gmail.com. Go ahead and send me anything you want. All right, sweet. And um, so I guess we'll just finish up with the uh, card contest hint. So this is the hint for this week. And the hint for the card that I'm thinking of this week is that it is a creature. Oh, my. So... Uh, that really narrows it down for everyone. I, I told you I was going to slow roll this thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, send us your guesses. And uh, I guess for this week alone, you could win my amazingly awesome Enchantress deck that I uh, that I was raving about before, which I would be really pissed off if I actually had to give away. But <laughs> that's, that's what's at stake. And we'll come up with a decent prize. I swear to God, we're going to figure this out. And... Uh, give you guys something enticing that you'll actually want to pick up. Yeah, do you guys have anything else that you would like to talk about for this week? I have a guess for the card contest. Cause I, I, I don't know that we can allow you guys to guess because that would, that would be very disappointing if if yeah. uh, if you guys won it. But, but this guess is amazing. Uh, Alright, what is it? Is it the token Tuck Tuck the Returned? Um, The token... Well, yes. on the on the last show, I said that it wasn't like a trick card. Like, I said it was a legacy legal card, and it wasn't like a token or a vanguard card or anything silly like that, or unhinged or unglued. It was a legacy legal card. So, no, it is not. But uh, thank you for for clarifying that to our listeners that it is definitely not a token. All right, but that token Chris, is I'll, Chris, I'll give you I'll give you one more shot at it as well. I'm gonna say uh. Akundu Cyclops. Akundu Cyclops. Oh man, that was a that's a good guess. Um, in that uh, that's a card we've talked about before that I like because it has uh, some pretty interesting artwork on it. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it already. But no, it is not Akundu Cyclops. So um, y'all out there, keep the guesses coming because I don't think I'm going to let these guys guess anymore. <laughs> They're a little bit too close to this thing. Uh, just like all those other contests where it says, like, employees of this company are not al- allowed to win. So you guys are employees of Magic in the Middle of Nowhere, so you're out. You're I want to do, do this. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess you're volunteers here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're slaves to the show. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess this will be the time for the peace outs, guys. Uh, Chris, you got a peace out for us? Um, hmm. Uh, yes, peace out. Okay, I'm glad you were able to come up with that off the top of your head. <laughs> and uh, Robert, what's up? <laughs> Just remember, trade for this Razorfield Rhinos, because that card is sweet. 
Oh man, well it's hard to trade for a card that's worth like a hundred bucks pre-order, isn't it? Or wait, no, that was like ten cents. Never mind. Yeah, it's, it's probably like a pen or something <laughs> like that. Anyhow. All right, cool. And uh, my piece out is uh, get your knights while you can, because uh, I think that deck's gonna be good. This was the fourth edition of Magic in the Middle of Nowhere, and thank you all so much for listening. Peace out. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door, and I'm floating in the most peculiar way, and the stars look very different today